the Holy Gospel, according to St. Mark, from the first chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. Mark, chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, and can be found on page 1552 in your pew Bible. Mark 1, 14 through 20. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. He said, come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets, and they followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men, and they followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus, because we know that nothing good comes anywhere else. We, this morning and last Sunday, but this morning we heard several accounts of God calling men into holy ministry. The Old Testament reading is the account of God calling Jonah to serve the people of Nineveh. And the gospel this morning is the account of Jesus calling four of his disciples to become fishers of men. The reading from Jonah is part of a a much longer account of God working with a very reluctant prophet. When God originally called Jonah to go to Nineveh, uh, what did he do? Yeah, he, he ran the other way. He, well, let's just start here. You see, Israel and Assyria were bitter enemies, and Nineveh was the capital of Assyria. And Jonah hated the Assyrians. I guess the more proper thing was he really didn't like them very much. And 
the truth is he didn't want to go anywhere near him with God's word because he knew God's nature and they were probably going to come to faith. So if the Holy Spirit worked faith in them, then God would forgive them. And that was the last thing that Jonah wanted to happen because he hated the Assyrians. So Jonah literally booked passage on a ship that would take him as far from Nineveh as he possibly could go in the world as he knew it. He's out of there. He literally attempted to do the exact opposite of God's call to him so that the people of Nineveh would die in their sins. That was his intent. That is how much Jonah hated. How much Jonah hated the Ninevites. And of course, we know that God intervened. He allowed a major storm. He allowed a major storm to threaten the well-being of the ship. And Jonah was so intent on avoiding the people of Nineveh that he convinced Listen to me. He convinced the sailors to throw him overboard into the stormy seas. And he knew that God was angry with him. And in his little mind, he thought, well, if I drown in sea, in the sea, God would no longer need to punish the ship. And Sure enough, the sailors threw Jonah into the sea, and the storm calmed, and the sailors were able to continue their journey in safety, only without Jonah. Now, we, <laughs> we know that instead of drowning in the sea, God sent a great fish to carry Jonah back to the eastern shores of the Mediterranean. Now, many people know this account as the story of Jonah and the whale. But the Bible actually states that it was a giant fish that swallowed Jonah and carried Jonah back to the east. And we know that when the fish got to the eastern shores of the Mediterranean, it, it vomited Jonah onto the shore. So, there is Jonah on the eastern shores of the Mediterranean, covered in fish barf, vomit. And God called him again. Well, what is a, what's an angry prophet supposed to do? How can you fight a God who can send a giant fish after you? And as we heard this morning, Jonah did go into Nineveh and Assyria, and he preached God's judgment on them. The Holy Spirit worked through the message that God gave to Jonah. The people in Nineveh repented, and God forgave them. And we can learn several things from Jonah. First of all is this, that God, his call to the prophets, his call to apostles, his call to pastors 
and teachers. They are sinners, just like every one of us, just like everyone else. And second, what we can learn is that the most hate-filled thing that a servant of God can do is to keep God's word to himself. Jonah hated the Assyrians, and so he determined not to share God's message with them. And then finally we learn that God's message is a blessing to us even if the messenger is not. The message of God was a blessing of forgiveness even from the hate-filled mouth of Jonah. And just as he had called Jonah to proclaim his message to Nineveh, Jesus also called men to witness the saving work of his perfect life, his sacrificial death, and his resurrection from the dead. And not only were these men called to witness this work, but they were also called to proclaim his work to the world. We know that as Jesus preached, he also called disciples to follow him in Mark 1, 16 through 20. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boats. They were mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants, and they followed him. Now these four men and the others that Jesus chose were, were not full of hatred like Jonah was, but they all had their individual and unique weaknesses, didn't they? As we follow Jesus in his ministry, we will see the men fail again and again. Jesus will teach them but they will often fail to understand what Jesus said. And while Jesus will proclaim the kingdom of God, they will often argue. We get to see it. They'll argue which one of them is the greatest. They will walk with, they will eat with, they will hear God in the flesh, but they will focus on their own concerns instead. And even so, they will be the ones who proclaim God's kingdom after Jesus ascended back to the Father. And again, we learn 
that God's called prophets, God's called apostles, God's called pastors and teachers are sinners, just like everyone else. In fact, it sometimes seems as though God goes out of his way to choose the most unlikely, (laughs) the unlikely candidates to proclaim his message. And as the Lord said to Paul in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It is the message. It is the message, not the messenger, who is important. And Martin Luther said, after the Reformation got underway, he said, I did nothing. The Word did everything. Amen? Nothing has really changed over the centuries. God still calls the most unlikely men to proclaim his kingdom, to proclaim Christ and him crucified. But how can God take sinful, wounded men and make them bearers of eternal life? Why would he do such a thing? Well, here's the thing. If he created a special kind of person for ministry, could you relate to your pastor? Or could he relate to you if he was special? Look, we share together a life of ups and downs and questions and of doubts and fears. It's true, right? It's a life of sin that we all share. But we share something greater than those things. We share the message of eternal life. When we sing it, the words of Peter, Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of a Hallelujah. It's like it's all connected. What a beautiful reminder. Remember what Jesus proclaimed after John was put in prison in the Scripture today? Jesus said, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The fulfillment of all things was right there, present in him when he said those words. In this one man came the kingdom of God. It was not distant, not unapproachable, but kind of crashing in on them, standing right in front and beside them and on us. Here was God himself who had become a man. Here was God who bore all of our human woes, all of our fears and pain. Have you been crushed with guilt? Have you been crushed 
with pain, with sorrow. Look to Jesus. He knows. He knows you. And he bears it. He bears it with you. And he bears it for you. And this is why he gives his people pastors. When God seems distant, here is a man who shares your humanity and speaks for the one who has redeemed the world, including you. He stands in the place of Christ, bringing the ear of Christ in confession and the heart of Christ in absolution. Do you fear death? Do you fear death? Then look to Jesus. He's already been there. And he has some great news for you. For he is the one who has entered death, even death on the cross. And he has borne all the guilt of sin for you and every other sinner. He shed holy and innocent blood in your place. Yet death could not hold him, we know. On Easter morning he rose, destroying the power of sin and death and hell. And this he proclaimed to you when a pastor, a fisher of men, poured water upon you in his name and you became one with Jesus in death and resurrection at the font. Come to Christ's altar where the pastor will place the very body and blood of Jesus into your hand. The very body and blood of Jesus given, broken, and shed for you. And here you receive a meal of forgiveness, a meal of life, and a meal of hope. This is a foretaste of the marriage feast of the Lamb. And here is the kingdom of God that's not distant, but breaking into your moment in time, in this time, in just a few minutes. So you come, come broken, and you leave whole. W-H-O-L-E, whole. You come burdened, and you leave free. Come and see and taste the kingdom of God. It's just that important. It's just that much of a gift. So God called Jonah to minister to a congregation that Jonah hated. And in spite of the hatred that Jonah had for Nineveh, 
God still worked repentance in that city. And the people of Nineveh received the forgiveness of sin. And in spite of the failures of the apostles, Christ still sent them to proclaim repentance and forgiveness of sins in the name and the word of the Lord grew as a result. He made them into fishers of men. And God still calls sinful men into ministry today. And in spite of their shortcomings, the Christ that they proclaim still forgives sins and proclaims eternal life through their mouths. And their hands still give out the body and the blood of Christ, given and shed for the forgiveness of sins. And it's not them, but the message of Jesus that they proclaim that is important. And what is that message? In Jesus' words, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the name of Jesus, amen.